O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Sunday, April 18th. Journey with me through the entire Bible in one year, focusing on the biblical calendar, the Sabbath, the feasts, and the Torah reading cycle. We have many voices, interpretations, and points of view out there, but there is nothing like listening to the crystal-clean, pure Word of God in your life. It is living water for our spirit. So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. When we listen to the spoken Word of God, it is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 The Word of God is alive, it is powerful, and it renews our mind and builds up our spirit, as it is written in Isaiah 55.11 So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Did you know that you can now listen to Daily Audio Torah on multiple platforms? Find us on SoundCloud, Anchor FM, and Spotify. Stream wirelessly to your speaker or listen on your smartphone. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Red Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Akarai Mot and it means after the death. Leviticus 16, 1-34 Hashem spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron who died when they drew too close to the presence of Hashem. Hashem said to Moses, Tell your brother Aaron that he is not to come at all, into the shrine behind the curtain, in front of the cover that is upon the ark, lest he die. For I appear in the cloud over the cover. Thus only Aaron shall enter the shrine with a bull of the herd for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall be dressed in a sacred linen tunic with linen breeches next to his flesh, and be girded with a linen sash, and he shall wear a linen turban. They are sacred vestments. He shall bathe his body in water and then put them on. And from the Israelite community he shall take two he-goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Aaron is to offer his own bull of sin offering to make expiation for himself and for his household. 
Aaron shall take the two he-goats and let them stand before Hashem at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and he shall place lots upon the two goats, one marked for Hashem and the other marked for Azazel. Aaron shall bring forward the goat designated by lot for Hashem, which he is to offer as a sin offering. While the goat designated by lot for Azazel shall be left standing alive before Hashem to make expiation with it and to send it off to the wilderness for Azazel. Aaron shall then offer his bull of sin offering to make expiation for himself and his household. He shall slaughter his bull of sin offering, and he shall take a panful of glowing coals scooped from the altar before Hashem and two handfuls of finely ground aromatic incense, and bring this behind the curtain. He shall put the incense on the fire before Hashem, so that the cloud from the incense screens the cover that is over the pact, lest he die. He shall take some of the blood of the bull, and sprinkle it with his finger over the cover on the east side. And in front of the cover he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. He shall then slaughter the people's goat of sin offering, bring its blood behind the curtain, and do with its blood as he has done with the blood of the bull. He shall sprinkle it over the cover and in front of the cover. Thus he shall purge the shrine of the uncleanness and transgression of the Israelites, whatever their sins. And he shall do the same for the tent of meeting, which abides with them in the midst of their uncleanness. When he goes in to make expiation in the shrine, nobody else shall be in the tent of meeting until he comes out. When he has made expiation for himself and his household, and for the whole congregation of Israel, he shall go out to the altar that is before Hashem and purge it, He shall take some of the blood of the bull and of the goat and apply it to each of the horns of the altar, and the rest of the blood he shall sprinkle on it with his finger seven times. Thus he shall cleanse it of the uncleanness of the Israelites and consecrate it. When he has finished purging the shrine, the tent of meeting, and the altar, the live goat shall be brought forward. Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat, and confess over it all the iniquities and transgressions of the Israelites, whatever their sins, putting them on the head of the goat. And it shall be sent off to the wilderness through a designated man. Thus the goat shall carry on it all their iniquities to an inaccessible region, and the goat shall be set free in the wilderness. And Aaron shall go into the tent of meeting, take off the linen vestments that he put on when he entered the shrine, and leave them there. He shall bathe his body in water in the holy precinct and put on his vestments. Then he shall come out and offer his burnt offering and the burnt offering of the people, making expiation for himself and for the people. The fat of the sin offering he shall turn into smoke on the altar. He who set the Azazel goat free shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water. After that he may re-enter the camp. The bull of sin offering and the goat of sin offering whose blood was brought in to purge the shrine 
shall be taken outside the camp, and their hides, flesh, and dung shall be consumed in fire. He who burned them shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water. After that he may re-enter the camp. And this shall be to you a law for all time. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall practice self-denial, and you shall do no manner of work, neither the citizen nor the alien who resides among you. For on this day atonement shall be made for you to cleanse you of all your sins. You shall be clean before Hashem. It shall be a Shabbat of complete rest for you, and you shall practice self-denial. It is a law for all time. The Kohen, who has been anointed and ordained to serve as Kohen in place of his father, shall make expiation or atonement. He shall put on the linen vestments, the sacred vestments. He shall purge the innermost shrine. He shall purge the tent of meeting and the altar, and he shall make expiation for the Kohenim and for all the people of the congregation. This shall be to you a law for all time, to make atonement for the Israelites for all their sins once a year. And Moses did as Hashem had commanded him. Joshua 16, 1-18-28 The portion by, that fell by lot to the Josephites ran from the Jordan at Jericho, from the waters of Jericho east of the wilderness. From Jericho it ascended through all the hill country to Bet-El. From Bet-El it ran to Luz and passed on to the territory of the Archites at Adaroth descended westward toward the territory of the Japhelites as far as the border of the lower Beth Horon and Gezer and ran on to the sea. Thus the Josephites, that is Manasseh and Ephraim, received their portion. The territory of the Ephraimites by their clans was as follows. The boundary of their portion ran from Atroth-Adar on the east to Upper Beth-Horon, and the boundary ran on to the sea. And on the north, the boundary proceeded from Mikmekthoth to the east of Tanath-Shiloh and passed beyond it up to the east of Genoa. From Genoa it descended to Adaroth and Neroth, touched on Jericho, and ran on to the Jordan. Westward, the boundary proceeded from Tapuach to the Wadi Kana and ran on to the sea. This was the portion of the tribe of the Ephraimites by their clans, together with the towns marked off for the Ephraimites within the territory of the Manassites, all those towns with their villages. However, they failed to dispossess the Canaanites who dwelt in Gezer. So the Canaanites remained in the midst of Ephraim, as is still the case. But they had to perform forced labor. And this is the portion that fell by lot to the tribe of Manasseh, for he was Joseph's firstborn. Since Maker, the firstborn of Manasseh, and the father of Gilead was a valiant warrior, Gilead and Bashan were assigned to him. 
and now assignments were made to the remaining Manassites by their clans, the descendants of Abiezer, Helek, Asriel, Shechem, Hefer, and Shemidah. Those were the male descendants of Manasseh, son of Joseph, by their clans. Now Zelophad, son of Hefer, son of Gilead, son of Maker, son of Manasseh, had no sons, but only daughters. The names of his daughters were Makla, Noah, Chagla, Milka, and Tertza. They appeared before the Kohen Eliezer, Joshua son of Nun, and the chieftains, and they said, Hashem commanded Moses to grant us a portion among our male kinsmen. So, in accordance with Hashem's instructions, they were granted a portion among their father's kinsmen. Ten districts fell to Manasseh apart from the lands of Gilead and Bashan, which are across the Jordan. Manasseh's daughters inherited a portion in these together with his sons, while the land of Gilead was assigned to the rest of Manasseh's descendants. The boundary of Manasseh ran from Asher to Michmathoth, which lies near Shechem. The boundary continued to the right toward the inhabitants of En Tapua. The region of Tapuach belonged to Manasseh, but Tapuach on the border of Manasseh belonged to the Ephraimites. Then the boundary descended to the Wadi Kana. Those towns to the south of the Wadi belonged to Ephraim, as an enclave among the towns of Manasseh. The boundary of Manasseh lay north of the Wadi and ran on to the sea. What lay to the south belonged to Ephraim, and what lay to the north belonged to Manasseh, with the sea as its boundary. This territory was contiguous with Asher on the north and with Issachar on the east. Within Issachar and Asher, Manasseh possessed Bet-Shion and its dependencies, Iblim and its dependencies, the inhabitants of Dor and its dependencies, the inhabitants of Endor and its dependencies, the inhabitants of Tanakh and its dependencies, and the inhabitants of Megiddo and its dependencies. These constituted three regions. The Manassites could not dispossess the inhabitants of these towns, and the Canaanites stubbornly remained in this region. When the Israelites became stronger, they imposed tribute on the Canaanites, but they did not dispossess them. The Josephites complained to Joshua, saying, Why have you assigned as our portion a single allotment and a single district, seeing that we are a numerous people whom Hashem has blessed so greatly? If you are a numerous people, Joshua answered them, Go up to the forest country and clear an area for yourselves there, in the territory of the Perizzites and the Rephaim, seeing that you are cramped in the hill country of Ephraim. The hill country is not enough for us, the Josephites replied, and all the Canaanites who live in the valley area have iron chariots, both those in Beit Shane and its dependencies, and those in the valley of Israel. But Joshua declared to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, You are indeed a numerous people, possessed of great strength. You shall not have one allotment only. The hill country shall be yours as well. True. It is forest land, but you will clear it and possess it to its farthest limits. 
And you shall also dispossess the Canaanites, even though they have iron chariots, and even though they are strong. The whole community of Bnei Israel assembled at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there. The land was now under their control. But there remained seven tribes of the Israelites which had not yet received their portions. So Joshua said to the Israelites, How long will you be slack about going and taking possession of the land which Hashem, the God of your fathers, has assigned to you? Appoint three men of each tribe. I will send them out to go through the country and write down a description of it for purposes of apportionment, and then come back to me. They shall divide it into seven parts. Judah shall remain by its territory in the south, and the house of Joseph shall remain by its territory in the north. When you have written down the description of the land in seven parts, bring it here to me. Then I will cast lots for you here before Hashem our God. For the Leviim have no share among you, since the priesthood of Hashem is their portion. And Gad and Reuben and the half-tribe of Manasseh have received the portions which were assigned to them by Moses, the servant of Hashem, on the eastern side of the Jordan. The men set out on their journeys. Joshua ordered the men who were leaving to write down a description of the land. Go, traverse the country and write down a description of it. Then return to me, and I will cast lots for you here at Shiloh before Hashem. So the men went and traversed the land. They described it in a document, town by town, in seven parts. And they returned to Joshua in the camp at Shiloh. Joshua cast lots for them at Shiloh before Hashem, and there Joshua apportioned the land among the Israelites according to their divisions. The lot of the tribe of the Benjamites by their clans came out first. The territory which fell to their lot lay between the Judites and the Josephites. The boundary on their northern rim began at the Jordan. The boundary ascended to the northern flank of Jericho, ascended westward into the hill country, and ran on to the wilderness of Beit Avon. From there the boundary passed on southward to Luz, to the flank of Luz, that is, Beit El. Then the boundary descended to Atroth Adar and to the hill country south of lower Beth Horon. The boundary now turned and curved onto the western rim, and the boundary ran southward from the hill on the south side of Beth Horon till it ended at Kiriath Baal, that is, Kiriath Jerim, a town of the Judites. That was the western rim. The southern rim. From the outskirts of Kiriath Jerim, the boundary passed westward and ran on to the fountain of the waters of Nephtoa. Then the boundary descended to the foot of the hill by the valley of Ben-Hinnom, at the northern end of the valley of Rephaim. Then it ran down the valley of Hinnom along the southern flank of the Jebusites to En-Rogel. Curving northward, it ran on to En-Shemesh, and ran on to Geliloth, facing the ascent of Adumum, and descended to the stone of Bohan, son of Reuben. It continued northward to the edge of the Arabah, and descended into the Arabah. The boundary passed on to the northern flank of Beth-Hogla, 
and the boundary ended at the northern tongue of the Dead Sea, at the southern end of the Jordan. That was the southern boundary. On their eastern rim, finally, the Jordan was their boundary. That was the portion of the Benjamites by their clans according to its boundaries on all sides. And the towns of the tribe of the Benjamites by its clans were Jericho, Beth Hokla, Amak Kaziz, Beth Araba, Zamarim, Beth El, Avim, Para, Ofra, Chifra Amona, Ophni, and Giba, twelve towns with their villages. Also Gibon, Rama, Biroth, Mizpah, Chafira, Moza, Rechem, Erpil, Terala, Zela, Eleph, and Jebus, that is, Jerusalem, Gabeath, and Kiriath, fourteen towns with their villages. That was the portion of the Benjamites by their clans. Luke 19, 1-27 And Yeshua entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Yeshua, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was of little stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Yeshua came to the place, he looked up and saw him, and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at your house. And he made haste, and came down, and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Yeshua said to him, This day salvation has come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man was come to seek and to save that which was lost. And as they heard these things, he added and spoke a parable, because he was near to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. He said, therefore, A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said to them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, Then he commanded these servants to be called to him, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Lord, your pound has gained ten pounds. And he said to him, Well, good servant, because you have been faithful in a very little, you have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your pound has gained five pounds. And he said likewise to him, Be thou over five cities. And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is your pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. 
for I feared you, because you are an austere man. You take up that which you laid not down, and you reap that which you did not sow. And he said to him, Out of your own mouth will I judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, taking up that which I did not lay down, and reaping what I did not sow. Therefore, when you gave not my money into the bank, that at my coming it might have required my own with interest. And he said to them that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that has ten pounds. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten pounds. For I say unto you that unto every one which has shall be given, and from him that has not, even that he has shall be taken away from him. But those my enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. Psalm 87, 1-7 His foundation is in the holy mountains. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God. Selah. I will make mention of Rahab and Babylon to them that know me. Behold, Philistia and Tyre with Ethiopia. This man was born there. And out of Zion it shall be said, This and that man was born in her, and the highest himself shall establish her. The Lord shall count, when he writes up the people, that this man was born there. Selah. As well the singers as the players on instruments shall be there. All my springs are in you. Proverbs 13.11 Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathers by labor shall increase. I want to speak to you today from Leviticus chapter 16, and then we're going to jump into Joshua 16 through 18. And in Leviticus chapter 16, verse 2, it is written, Hashem said to Moses, Tell your brother Aaron that he is not to come at all into the shrine behind the curtain, in front of the cover that is upon the ark, lest he die, for I appear in the cloud over the cover. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. The service detailed in this chapter is performed by the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, in the Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement. This unique service represents a pinnacle of holiness, as it brings the holiest person to the holiest place on the holiest day of the year. Tradition tells us that the world was created from the stone that stands at the location of the Holy of Holies on the Temple Mount. When the Kohen Gadol enters this same spot, he atones for the sins of mankind, beginning with the time of Adam and the creation of the world. Adam himself was formed from the earth at the spot of the altar close to the area of the Holy of Holies. To this day, people from all over the world are drawn to the Temple Mount, the place from which all of mankind originated. Yet, on account of political pressures, currently only Muslims are granted full access to the Temple Mount. Jews are not even allowed to utter words of prayer at this holy site. 
We pray for the day when this holy mountain is restored to its vital role as a place of prayer for all nations. One more thing I'd like to add to that commentary about that verse is that Yeshua is our Kohen Gadol, the great high priest. And in heaven there is a heavenly tabernacle with an outer courtyard, a holy place, and the most holy place. And Yeshua lives to ever intercede for you and for me. And he goes before the Father and enters into the most holy place and makes atonement for us by his own blood. He intercedes for us and prays for us, and he is the great high priest in the heavenly tabernacle right now. Continuing on in chapter 16 of Leviticus, verse 4, it's talking about Aaron, the high priest, and how he is to be dressed. Verse 4, he shall be dressed in a sacred linen tunic with linen breeches next to his flesh and be girt with a linen sash, and he shall wear a linen turban. They are sacred vestments. He shall bathe his body in water and then put them on. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. On a regular day, the Kohen Gadol wears eight garments, four of which are decorated with gold. However, when he enters the Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur, he wears only four white linen garments, The simplicity of his attire portrays feelings of humility as he approaches Hashem on the holiest day of the year, and the white color is symbolic of forgiveness. As the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, stands before God and begs forgiveness for himself, his family, and the entire nation, his clothing reminds him that he is at the mercy of God's benevolence, yet also instills confidence that God, in his compassion, will forgive his people. So I'll add to that comment uh, a little bit about Yom Kippur and Day of Atonement. This is a biblical uh, festival or feast. It's in the fall. It immediately, it's just before you get to Sukkot. So the overall arching principle is this. The spring feasts, Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, and Shavuot, all point to Yeshua's first coming. Yeshua fulfilled the spring feasts in every detail. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he was nailed to the cross at 9 a.m., And at that exact same time, the daily Tamid lamb offering was being slaughtered at the temple. And at 3 p.m., he gave up his spirit. He died. And exactly that same time, the afternoon daily Tamid lamb offering was being offered unto God and the lamb was being slaughtered. So he fulfilled that in every detail. So then we come into the fall feasts. The fall feasts are all about the second coming of Yeshua. And when he returns, he will fulfill the fall feasts. So they are a shadow pointing us to his second return. And the Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur, 
points us to Yeshua, who is our great high priest, who lives to ever intercede for us. And um, he will fulfill this fall feast in the future, along with Yom Teruah, Day of Trumpets. That'll be the day of the coronation of the king, King Yeshua, Coronation Day. And finally, Sukkot, or Feast of Tabernacles. And one of the main principles or themes of this feast is wedding. So we are betrothed to Yeshua now. We're engaged to him. But one day when he returns, the wedding, there will be a wedding. And the wedding, we will finally see him face to face. And there will be a consummation of this marriage. Let's continue on now into Joshua, chapter 16, and let's look at verse 2. Um, but before I jump jump there, all of this chapter, 16, 17, and 18, is basically giving very detailed information on how the land is apportioned out to the 12 tribes of Israel. So it's it's delineating and defining the boundaries of the territories for each of the 12 tribes. Now in verse 2 it is written, From Beit El it ran to Luz and passed on to the territory of the Archites at the Ataroth. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows, Beit El, located in the territory of the tribe of Benjamin, near the border with Ephraim, has an important place in Jewish history. It is near the site where Abraham built an altar and called out in Hashem's name. It is where Jacob prayed and dreamed about the angels ascending and descending a ladder that reached to the heavens. It was also there that Jacob received the promise that his children would inherit the land of Israel. In 1838, the famous biblical archaeologist Edward Robinson identified the ancient site of Bet El. Following the Six-Day War, a modern Jewish community was founded adjacent to the ancient site and given the same name. Contemporary Bet El is the home of hundreds of Jewish families who are raising their children in the city of their forefathers. Now let's continue on and take a look at Joshua chapter 17, verse 4. To give you some context, we have some daughters by the name of Makla, Noah, Chagla, Milka, and Terza. And they come from a family that has no sons but only daughters. And so they're going to now make their case and come before the leadership and say, hey, we don't want to be left out of the apportionment of the land. Our family has no sons, and so we, as the daughters, need to inherit this land. So verse 4, they appeared before the Kohen, Eleazar, Joshua, son of Nun, and the chieftain, saying, Hashem commanded Moses to grant us a portion among our male kinsmen. So, in accordance with Hashem's instructions, they were granted a portion among their father's kinsmen. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. During the division of the land, the daughters of Zelochad remind Joshua and Eleazar the priest that since their father had no sons to inherit his portion of the land of Israel, 
God had told Moses that they, his daughters, were to receive his inheritance. Zelochad's daughters are exemplars of women in every generation who have had a special love for Eretz Israel, two prominent 20th century women to epitomize the same characteristics of love and dedication to the Holy Land were Golda Meir and Sarah Herzog. Meir was Israel's first female prime minister, and Herzog, who was the wife of former chief rabbi Yitzhak Herzog, helped found the leading hospital for geriatrics and psychiatry in the Middle East, as well as the Jewish women's organization Emunah, one of the largest social service providers in Israel. Their great impact on Israeli society is still evident today, decades after their passing. Continuing on in Joshua chapter 18, verse 1, it is written, The whole community of B'nai Israel assembled at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there. The land was now under their control. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. The Jewish people bring the Mishkan, or the tabernacle, to Shiloh. This is meant to be its temporary location until the Beit Hamikdash would be built in Jerusalem. The Mishkan remains in Shiloh for 369 years, serving as the central point for Israelite service to Hashem during that period, as is evident in the opening chapters of Samuel. Like many biblical cities, the site of ancient Shiloh has been identified and excavated, and a new Jewish community with the same name has been established adjacent to it. Today, hundreds of Jewish families live in the flourishing town of Shiloh. I'll add to that, I've actually been to Shiloh several times, and it's really an awesome place to visit. It's to the north of Jerusalem in the very biblical heartland of Shamron, or biblical Samaria. And so you can go to this ancient site where they've been doing excavations. There is an interpretive center where you can go inside and watch a film that gives you a lot of the history of Shiloh. And then once the film is over, you can go out and explore this ancient site. And when the people would gather at Shiloh before Jerusalem became the capital and they would gather there, they were at Shiloh, they would have their three main biblical feasts, and the people would gather from all over the nation to come to Shiloh for those feasts. That would be Passover, Shavuot, and Sukkot. They would come to Shiloh. And when you walk around the grounds, um, you will find little pieces of pottery, uh, like a, a clay vessel that was broken, and you find shards of this clay vessel. Well, back Back in the day, they didn't have their lunch, their brown sack lunches or lunch pails. They put their lunch in a clay pot. And when they were done eating, then they would break the clay pot and then the pieces would just remain. So you can actually find these ancient pieces of clay uh, pot shards um, on the grounds there. It's really another interesting thing is that when David was... um, ruling and reigning before he becomes king in Jerusalem he's ruling and reigning from Shiloh and he established 
24-7 Harp and Bowl Worship and Prayer at Shiloh. And this is before the temple was constructed. This is while they still had the tent, the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. And so they he established 24-7 worship and prayer. And it talks about that in Chronicles and how there were actually hired singers and musicians and that that was their full-time occupation. They would, you know, do their six or eight hour shift or however many hour shift and then take a break and there would be others who would come in. And so today we have International House of Prayer, IHOP, in Kansas City, and many other houses of prayer throughout the nations. There's at least three of them in Israel, in Jerusalem, that are 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And you find many of them all throughout the the United States and throughout Europe as well, houses of prayer. Now, not all of them are 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but IHOP is. And the three houses of prayer, Sukkot Halal and two other ones in Jerusalem, they are 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And they are patterned after the harp and bowl worship and prayer that David established at Shiloh. So if you've never visited a house of prayer, I encourage you to do so. It's a it's an awesome experience. Um, and with the worship and and the prayer blending together, working together, um, it's it's like incense that goes right up to the throne room of heaven. Have a blessed day and we will see you tomorrow. Adonai Vish Mareka Yaya Adonai Anavilaka Vikuneka Yisa Adonai Anav Eleka Vayaseh Leka Leka Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs>